Welcome to the Couch Olympians podcast. I'm your host, Harry, and every episode I'll be joined by a new guest to talk about Olympics of the past while looking forward to Tokyo 2021. This is Couch Olympians. Hello and welcome back to the Couch Olympians podcast. First off, a huge thank you to everyone who's left feedback, liked, subscribed. It means the world to me. Uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts, good or bad, what I could do better. I'm always looking to improve. So please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter, TSHarryK, or Instagram, Couch Olympians Podcast, or even TikTok uh, at Couch Olympian. I'm posting a few videos on there now where we're looking at like the best Olympic moments and uh, a few other fun bits. A uh, new episode of the IGTV series is going to come out this week very soon. Stay tuned for that as I am looking to try different Olympic sports and see how I compare to Olympians. Uh, the 400 meters did it last week. I uh, didn't go well. Uh, I did better than my expectations though. So, you know, taking positives. So here's a new segment I'm going to try. Uh, just called the news. Uh, I feel like people are interested. People would like to know about looking forward to Tokyo. So... Without further ado, it was announced this week that no foreign visitors will be allowed to attend the Games, which obviously is a big blow for people's families and people who were like saving up to go for a long time, but I definitely think it's the right decision. You know, uh, the recently re-elected back uh, the, of the president of the Olympics promised a safe and secure Olympics, and, you know, for the Olympics to go ahead, decisions like this have to be made. From a viewer's perspective, I actually don't think it's that bad a situation. Fake crowd noise is really good. Like, I think it's gotten way better. You know, you've seen companies like Sky Sports invest heavily for it. When I'm watching a Premier League game, I sometimes forget there are no fans. Obviously, when it comes back to fans, I think I'll realise the difference, but it's so fine. Uh, The one issue I feel like the Olympics might have is the intimate sports in indoor arenas, swimming, basketball. That's where it's going to get tough. But obviously, you know, you can take lessons from the NBA uh, in that but again, I think it's the right decision moving forward. And obviously you'll still have some fans uh, from the Japanese population. Uh, so today's episode is with a man called Louis Mockler. And he is the most knowledgeable rugby man that I know. And you're going to find out. So without further ado, let's get into it with Louis. Welcome back to another edition of the Couch Olympians podcast. I am delighted to be joined by the smartest rugby man I know, Louis Mockler. Mockler, how are you? How's it going? Thanks for having me out. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. There, if I was going to do this rugby podcast about sevens, there was no other man I was going to call. Appreciate it. Um, so firstly, we're going to talk about just a little bit of the history of rugby and the Olympics. So in the first few Olympics, it actually was included, you know, um, similar to how the early Olympics worked. You know, it was like very much like exhibitions and like, you know, in one of the 20 in the 20 1920 olympics uh australia were represented only because the australian team were actually touring britain at the time uh so it wasn't really like there was major competition for places and there was actually a bit of controversy uh at the 1924 uh paris olympics there was a pitch invasion in the final um and it caused a really bad image like and it's kind of killed rugby in the Olympics. Like they're just so mad about it. Um so they so they actually went and removed it from the schedule. And then throughout history there has been 
like calls to have it reinstated. Um, one of the biggest ones was the Soviet Union in the 1980s when they're sort of dominating the Olympic calendar, requested that it comes back. Um, and then in 1988, uh, a few more countries, including like South Korea, were like trying to get it involved. And they even had the what was the now the uh, International Rugby Board on board. And then there was a whole push all the way through to the 90s, but nothing ever kind of materialized from that. But what I find interesting is the Soviet in- Union interest in trying to get the rugby included, you know. And you could say maybe if it was included, they'd be have a serious squad and that culture of rugby would go, kind of go out throughout the whole you know, they're always involved in the World Cup and they have always had like a few exciting players. But, you know, maybe if the money was put into it in the 80s, we could have we could have Russia as a serious team. Yeah, it's obviously uh, in terms of Russian sports, huge culture and doing well at the Olympics and almost doing well at any cost, as, as we've seen over the past few years, some of the stories coming out. So definitely the Olympic kind of committee and board in Russia would probably have a huge influence across different sports between like football federation and rugby all athletics and stuff like that. So I'd yeah, say that there would be more emphasis on it from there. It's interesting with the football one, because obviously football is an Olympic sport kind of halfway with the kind of the way they do the 23s. But you can kind of see how, you know, it's such a popular sport in Russia and they've really gone and invested in it. Now they host the World Cup. You know, Putin was very involved in that. Um, and now you see how it's all gone to, gone to shit really with the with the Russians, you know even in formula one, like they're not even allowed to have Russian, the Russian drivers can't even have a Russian flag beside their name. It's gotten that bad. Uh, it's just kind of all across the world. They've kind of just gotten this tarnish because of the scandal. And I, I don't know where I come down on it really, because you have the guys who are involved, the Olympics, the athletes, you know, obviously, but like to blanket it all, I suppose is something you had to do when it was state run. Yeah. The, the reputation has certainly taken a hit. Yeah. So anyway, in 2012, there was a bit of a push between these five sports, uh, golf, karate, roller sports, which is like rollerblading and stuff, uh, rugby and squash to be included as an Olympic sport for the 2012 games. Uh, I don't think any of them actually materialized. No, none of them materialized. The fact that squash is an Olympic sport is crazy. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like it's just such a perfect Olympic sport. Um. One so, of those weird ones that you don't see too much of elsewhere, but every four years it jumps out of the woodwork at you. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, they're including breakdancing in, in, in Paris in 2024. Uh, but no... I have no issues with that personally now. Really? Why? Dancing is a very competitive sport, so... Yeah, but is it a more Olympic sport than squash? Like, I think squash is should be, like, one of the staples of the Olympics. And it's it, it holds everything that like is an Olympic sport. It's weird. It's competitive. It's insanely difficult. Um, now, no, no disrespect to breakdancing. Obviously, they're phenomenal athletes, but I I don't see that as like an Olympic sport per se. Um, definitely not above squash. No. Um. Yeah. I wouldn't. I've never really thought of it as a sport myself. Like more of a hobby or an activity. But yeah, you know, go pair it to those who engage on a regular basis absolutely but anyway 2016 comes around and rugby sevens gets included um obviously rugby rugby fans around the world it's good but it's also good for kind of growing the game um so yeah what 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 were your thoughts what were you of the 2016 tournament um it was the build-up was hugely exciting like i still remember back in 
childhood days was it Satanta Sports maybe but you'd flick it on on like a Saturday morning and you'd see Samoa, Fiji and the likes going at it you know William Ryder Wasaki Sarevi some of the legends of the game and without really trying too much it, it drew up quite a bit of interest in it and then it's October 2009 I saw it was the IOC uh, committee had a, a meeting and referred uh, or sorry Rugby Sevens had been referred on as the recommended edition and then they, they gave it the all clear so it was all guns blazing from there to get all the logistics sorted and start preparing for the Olympics. Yeah, it was an interesting one as well because normally when the new sports come in, you've seen like karate's coming in for Tokyo and like baseball's coming in from Tokyo, like big popular sports in the home region. And like rugby in Brazil, it's like, it's, it's, it's not a big sport. Same could be said about golf coming in. So it was interesting that they chose Rio, but obviously I feel like the demand was there that maybe, you know, Rugby Sevens had proved itself with the World Series. Uh, you know, that it had the demand, it had the potential. And I, I think it does have all the makings of a, of a good Olympic sport. And the tournament was kind of showed that, you know, you kind of had teams almost looking to peak at Rio. Um, you know, the Fiji brought in Ben Ryan is his name, isn't it? The coach. Yeah. yeah well, and the, well, what happened started, we'll have heard good things. Mockler, look, I'll have you back on when you finish that book. But um, yeah, him coming back, him coming in, and the kind of strategy was around the Olympics. You know, we wanted the Olympic Fiji wasn't a, they didn't have any Olympic medals before. They wanted the Olympics. They they went in. They brought this whole strategy. You saw in New Zealand, you know, you had guys like Sonny Bill, even though he got injured, he came back to or to sevens to try and play in the Olympics. Um, so you know there was interest in it. And then looking at the tournament themselves, obviously Fiji had actually were successful. They won. Um, you know, a big achievement for the country. They absolutely hammered the Team GB in the final. Um, but what were your thoughts on the tournament as a whole and uh, any standout moments? Um, it was certainly exciting, yeah. Like, I remember reading the reports of a lot of kind of All Blacks and stuff, you know, showing their interest in joining Sevens for the year and stuff. A few, obviously, Sonny Bill, Ioane brothers, before they kind of broken out, both went as well. Um, they actually underperformed like came third in that group and lost to Japan in the quarters. So it's a bit disappointing for them. Probably showed, I guess, bringing too many players in who weren't really sevens players, tough to gel in that environment quickly. So, but yeah, definitely um, Fiji and obviously won it, but they brought in some big names, 15 players like Leona Nakavara, who's obviously signed for Ulster for next season. Uh, Jerry Tuwa is a legend of the game now as well. She's uh, Bill Matta, the Edinburgh Eight. Jasua Tuasova, Chulon winger. So huge, freakish athletes with like ridiculous skill sets around kind of offloading and keeping the ball alive. And it really showed when watching them. Yeah. And I think Fiji's style in the 15 game really lends itself to the sevens. You know, like looking for that offload, like trying to play a really free flowing uh, type of rugby, it just lends itself to sevens naturally. Um, compared to like when you have other countries uh, like New Zealand or like, Team GB would be where it's kind of like very much the focus coming through is like the lads growing up would have played 15s. I think Ireland has the same problem where it's very much more structured and free time. That's why I think the the Tongas, the Samoas, the Fijis kind of have been at the top in those in those uh, in the sevens game. And even like to Japan as well, even I remember during the 2020 well, 2019 World Cup, you know, they kind of showed themselves in the 15s game as having that sort of exciting free flowing brand of rugby countries like probably England and Ireland there's obviously a huge focus on lads who are kind of naturally big of getting bigger you know playing second round stuff but 
they don't really coach the uh, the excitement out of lads in Fiji and like even if you're six eight hundred twenty kilos like you're still expected to kind of be able to step in at first receiver and the likes you know dominate the wide channels regardless of your size so it lends itself to the sevens game a lot yeah no doubt and I actually I'm a huge rugby fan of the 15s game I actually wouldn't consider myself as a sevens fan I actually think it's sometimes a bit tough watch I feel it's very like you know fast guys win all the time or you know the where it's like there's no obviously I, there is a really a lot of a lot of strategy involved. There's a lot of things, but I feel when I'm watching it, it's very much oh he just ran around him or he oh is does he scored or you know obviously he's gonna, gonna this team's gonna get momentum and kill the team. I'm probably way off in saying that, but what would you think? Um, it definitely helps. Like say look at the Ireland team now. Jordan Conroy is probably their their big name, and he's only really renowned for being a winger with a lot of pace. Like you saw, he was in the Conan Academy in 15s, and bar his try scoring ability it wasn't really rated highly as, a, as an all-around player but he looks like a superstar in seven so there's certainly an aspect if, if you can kind of get one lad in for a good clear out at the rook and then quick ball wide you're, you're probably going to score so mm. and looking at the state of sevens as well at the moment you know is is obviously COVID is definitely kind of screwed up their format I know they like to travel the world on the world series and they play in different venues I presume that's not going ahead at the moment um there's chat of later in the year, probably, you'd imagine most probably pro athletes would have been vaccinated by then. There's a shortened World Series. So I think six events instead of 10 or so yeah. in places where their kind of restrictions are pretty low already. So that's, that's going to massively affect the Olympics, though. If you think about it, like, you know, they wouldn't have that run in towards the yeah, know, kind of warm up, in, getting going things right. Going in a bit underprepared, maybe some teams without yeah. that. Yeah, and the qualifying is interesting. So you got the four teams that finish in the top four in the series. You got the host country automatically qualify. You yeah. got six teams qualify by finishing first in the continental championships. Uh, and then the last qualified place because the team that wins the intercontinental competition. Uh, so it's it is it is a you know reliant on the seven series almost for the qualifying. So it's gonna be interesting to see how they play around that. Uh, but in terms of before. COVID hit who were the seven teams that were looking hot sorry just hydrating there Mockler hydrate all you want um, so yeah um, the likes of kind of Fiji South Africa New Zealand would always historically be up there um, you know they've got a good structured kind of group going uh, England would, be, would have been up there before as well uh, so that, already said South Africa Australia so I meant to say there uh, few other teams Kenya Fiji Fiji sorry Kenya, Canada, and the likes uh, well, have a decent seven set up. And then Ireland were slowly improving a lot, getting more comfortable at that level. So, uh, Who would be the big names on like the sevens in the seven circuit worldwide? Player-wise now? Yeah, player-wise. Um, so Fiji would have a guy called Jerry Tuwai, who was obviously a medal winner at the Olympics last time and has just been ridiculously consistent ever since. Uh, Dan Norton from England highest try scorer of all time the World 7 Series uh, South Africa Roscoe Speckman Cecil Africa Werner Koch guys like that New Zealand like Tim Mickelson Scott Curry uh, Joe Weber a lot of lads who've since kind of moved into 15s maybe part time due to no 7s but not necessarily all uh, huge names but long time consistent performance who you know kind of give full time 7s yeah, interesting. Like it's 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 weird how you know, like maybe I know in Ireland anyway, like if somebody was like doing unbelievable at sevens, 
and like he was such a big name, there'd just be calls from getting to 15s, calls for getting to 15s, and that obviously doesn't work sometimes. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hugo Keenan played sevens, didn't he? Um, I'll almost use it as a development pathway yeah. for some players rather than having it as a big thing on its own. Yeah, and that, that sometimes can work, especially for players in the back three, maybe, you know, if you if you want them to be like, have that flair, you know, get cardio fitness better or just be generally like kind of more, you know, comfortable in open space. Uh, it seems like such a, it's a good developmental tool like that. And actually switching into, uh, you know, looking at, obviously in Rio and going forward, there's a men's and a women's side to the tournament. And the, the women's, you know, getting that exposure of the Olympics is always good. And it's kind of one of the big pillars of the Olympics is making sure that the women's is almost as good as the men's. And you could argue the women's tournament was better than the men's because you had Australia and New Zealand in the final, Australia edged it. And then you had countries like Canada and like, as you said, like the African countries kind of pushing forward and like, you know, developing in a way and kind of growing the game of rugby. Yeah, like in the, the women's sevens, like, there's some serious, serious athletes there who obviously have been consistent, but then getting that push up to the higher level and more viewers kind of on a higher stage, you kind of see, you know, there's no gap in quality between men's. like so. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And here's a, here's a good one for you, Mockler. If you were like a world-class rugby player, but you weren't good at union, would you rather pick to be a sevens player or a rugby league player? I think financially you'd have to go league to be fair. Yeah. Depends where you're playing though, isn't it? Like if you're if you're playing in the UK or maybe Yeah, I think Australia and Australia, because yeah. it's just massive there. But I guess if you were in these parts, you'd probably go sevens a bit more of a chance to make a mark on the world stage. Yeah, but does the fact that you have the opportunity to win an Olympic medal affect your decision? It would always be in the forefront of your mind, like it's almost a once in a lifetime opportunity, like yeah that's what i was thinking like i think i actually think league is a better format i think league is a great sport you see some of the especially in australia obviously like the league, the state of origin game is a, uh, you know it's, it's it's a spectacle in itself uh but the fact that sevens has the op- you have the opportunity to win the olympic uh, like there was no there's no debate in my mind if, the, if if sevens isn't in the olympics i think you're on 100 yeah. going league but the fact that there's an opportunity to win an Olympic medal and be even, even not even win an Olympic medal, be part of an Olympics, yeah, kind of make me kind of lean towards sevens. You're in such an elite percentile of people ever, like if you're an Olympian. Yeah, like exactly. You get to get that little tattoo that's <laughs> with the Olympic rings on it. Uh, maybe I can do that if I'm an Olympic podcaster. Um, yeah. Maybe. Um, and here's another one for you. Do you think fifteen to get the fifteen the full union game would benefit from being in the Olympics? Um, I certainly think it would help grow the game popularity, especially in kind of developing countries and stuff. But the kind of abrasive and physical nature of it doesn't really lend itself to being an exhibition game played over a few days. Like, yeah, I agree. It's not like soccer or football where, like, yeah. you know, sevens like they they regularly every tournament play three games a day anyway. So like they're very much built towards going for 14 minutes times three you know for a Friday and a Saturday you yeah mean, even a six-day turnaround you have a few lads dropping out like the the recovery required is you know different level so yeah exactly and what, how long is a half and sevens it's it's short isn't it seven minutes yeah yeah like very very short um and like as well there's so um Kind of going off topic, and you know, we're looking into weird sports. You're a man of sport in general. And in 2015, they gave 
a list of sports that could have been considered for the Olympics. And I want you to give me an answer of yes or no, should this be an Olympic sport? Okay. Simple one word answer and then a short, a short explanation. So I'll give you a few. Baseball and softball. No. Why? I say yes. I just don't think baseball is popular outside of the US. It's pretty big in Japan and like South Korea. Like it, it is big there and they have like big stadiums, but like it's also really big in like the kind of American syndicates, almost like Puerto Rico, Cuba, uh, Mexico. And I feel like it's big in, and it is, it, I wouldn't say it's a big sport in Europe. Now. It, it is a growing sport, but I feel like it is one, especially softball, which is like the women's version of baseball. I think there is enough potential there to be, it's almost like ice hockey in the winter Olympics where like everyone's involved in it. I feel like it could be that, but I don't think it's obviously the same level, but I think, yes, I do understand where you're coming from though, that you think the U S would dominate, but like, then again, like, so is basketball. So would you say basketball is an Olympic sport? Yeah. Because I think it is more popular around the world. Like, Yeah. That, that fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. The squash we already passed on how that is an Olympic sport. is crazy. What do you think of that? Yeah, I wouldn't mind a game of squash here and there, to be fair. Yeah, we'll go for a game play squash, it, but I wouldn't be against taking it up. Yeah. Snooker? Snooker. Honestly, yes. I've loved snooker forever. <laughs> Not like, an Olympic sport. It's um, a boring watch, but I find it so entertaining. It's very strategic. That's, that's the one thing I like about snooker. It's very relaxing. You can just have a table down. myself as well, so I got kind of good out. There you go. Some money on Christmas Day, so... <laughs> Uh, sport climbing is included in Tokyo. What do you think of that? What climbing, sir? Like sport, rock climbing and like sport climbing. Like, yeah. um, I don't know. Like, I've never really thought about that. Like, I, I think it is. Like a, lot of, a lot of kind of core strength and stuff. Would you? Insane, like finger strength and like everything. Like, it's, it, it is just freak shot. It's like flexibility is so big. And um, Ryan could uh, qualify. <laughs> no. You should just watch some of these clips of these guys, Mockler. It's insane what they can do. They have like such limited, like little things to hold, and like they're at all angles. So um, it's definitely big. So the big ones that anyway that are being added in into twenty twenty are uh, baseball, karate, surfing, and sport climbing. And surfing, surfing is an interesting one because you you know there's such a good competition. It's a worldwide sport. I feel like it's a great addition, similar to sailing. Like more water sports, the better. Uh, but there's loads of different ones that are trying to get in. Um, you know, you saw dance sports included in 2024. Um, you know, potential for chess, but I think that's more of a game rather than an Olympic sport. You don't want to go, you don't want to get it too big. Um, but yeah, there's, 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 and then the combat sports is a weird one, obviously, because that's, that's constantly changing. And, you know, they've removed some forms of wrestling for this one and they're adding karate. Uh, but here's one that's close to my heart American football. Where'd you come down on that one? Um, Again, I think it's it's kind of too structured to be like a shortened exhibition sport. Yeah, I agree. There's kind of far too much to it to break it down to, you know, half an hour, twice a day kind of thing. So It'd be similar, like, yeah, yeah. It'd be very tough. Yeah, you can't, like, especially at the level that, they, even though, the like, the Americans, there'd be some rules. There would be some rules about, like, um, they'd have to be anyway, about, like, obviously the professionalism and stuff. Yeah. Even if they went semi-pro only or, you know, you, ha- you can't have a professional contract to play because it is a big sport in the world growing. You know, I know in America, it's huge. Canada obviously have their version. It's big. It's massive in Brazil. Germany have their own fucking pro league. Uh, the likes of Austria and Poland. So, like, there either would be 
<laughs> yeah you got the irish system as well you know is 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 growing uh and it's growing all over the world like uh, france is big japan actually have a massive league and australia is very very competitive uh so you know it is enough there to feel like you could feel the good competition but as you said as an as an exhibition sport there's so many challenges so anyway let's get back to the main to the main focus here rugby so we have sevens, but let's turn our attention to fifteens. And the best thing about rugby, I feel, is such a weird, it's such a weird sport that would you rather win a run World Cup or would you rather be part of a winning Lions team? Um, I'd still go World Cup to be honest. I think it's Lions for either side, like Lions or the team that they're touring. Like the if you're part of like a New Zealand team that beats the Lions, I still think the Lions is the pinnacle. And it's just it's such a weird sport in that way that something like the Lions, like as people said, like. It takes a concept that shouldn't work, but it does because like the buy-in. So we have a Lions tour this this year, hopefully. Um, and in one of my blog posts, I picked the starting 15 that I would go I for. I saw that actually. I saw that actually. Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm going to read out to you and I, w- I want to hear your thoughts. No, I remember thinking some of these are a bit loose. <laughs> I have to update it now. So I'm going to read out what I wrote initially and then I'm going to tell you some of my changes, okay? Okay. So I went with Makavuna Polo 1, Jamie George 2, Tyg Furlong 3, Mara Toje 4, James Ryan 5, Hamish Watson 6, Justin Tipperick 7, Sam Underhill 8. Then we have Conor Murray 9, Owen Farrell 10, Johnny May 11, Robbie Henshaw 12, Jonathan Davies 13, Elliot Daly 14, Stuart Hogg 15. So first thing we're doing is we're taking out Elliot Daly and we're putting in Anthony Watson. I think potentially Ringrose over Davies. Everything else stays the same. And then I'm putting in CJ Stander for Sam Underhill at eight. What are your thoughts? Yeah, Underhill at eight was the one that threw me the most. I, was just, like, I don't think he's ever played there. Though. I know, but there was. I think eight is a very kind of weak position in terms of compared to what the flankers are available. I just kind of squeezed it in there because I feel like Underhill is a game-changing player. Um, he's like, I think he's an elite, like we saw at the World Cup, like how much of an elite talent Underhill is like. Yeah, he brings a, a ruthless physicality in spades. So. Yeah. Okay, let's start with your, my front row then. So, Maku, Jamie George, Tyg Furlong. I'd agree with that, to be fair. Um, Rory Sutherland, the loose head, is pushing hard, but I still think Maku would be the best all-around player. Jamie George, I'd have first name on my team sheet, to be honest. Yeah, he's the best hooker. It's not even close. Um, Furlong, yeah, I still think he's better than Sinclair overall. Yeah, I think Sinclair is a great option off the bench, though. Yeah, I think, but I think Furlong is again world class player in the test yeah. team. No he's, doubt, he's kind of getting close to the level he was at as well. So yeah, uh, he came back and he didn't like. It looked like he didn't miss anything. Like he, he obviously you could tell there was a little rust in the fitness, but like yeah. he came on as a sub and was like unbelievable. Like he, he, he'll be, he'll be back to fly in form. Second rows, Atoje Ryan. That's my combination one time. Like I, I think you have to make an argument oh, for Alan Wynn. Like I don't think so. That. Like, I know Gatlin will bring him and, you know, he's contention for a captaincy, but, like, he personally wouldn't make my squad. I don't think yeah. he's got four or five second rounds anymore. So. Yeah, I think I think as well. I think the Saracens boys, like Atoje, Maku, need to start playing some rugby, even if it is championship level. That's fair, yeah. yeah. Just knock off the rust one. a little bit uh, and then hopefully. But, yeah, I think that accommodation is good. Right. Back row, Hamish, Tipperick, and then now CJ. What do you think of that? Um, some good options there. Back out of Tom Curry and nailed on straight away. I don't know. I feel like you get more with Tipperick, but you get the same, you know. 
you get that breakdown ability and you get that ball carrying ability that is unparalleled. I think it's I think he's a better option and he's he's had a good good six nation so far. Are we going Curry six though. No, oh, you're you're leaving out the Mish. I'd be torn between Tipperick and Hamish for seven. I don't Hamish Watson's certainly not six. I know, I think you just get him on I the field. I know more about balance than anything, but still, I don't think so. Yeah. And then I feel like Warren Gatlin would agree with me, Falatau late. Yeah, I think Falatau is another good option. It's actually incredible that Falatau could go on three, start on three winning Lion Test teams. You don't think of him. Like, that's all-time great stuff. Like, that's all-time great stuff. Three unbeaten teams. Like, the last one was obviously draw. Like, so. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, three, like... But even to start in three Lions Test teams... Ridiculous. Though. That's all-time great stuff. Like you think of your names who have done that? Who won the first one? Mm, sorry, would have only been what, like twenty-two in 2013 when he was there. Yeah, but you don't think of him as this sort of unbelievable player, and you know he's obviously had his injury worries and all that. But he, yeah. he just kind of peaked for Lions stores. You know, <laughs> you just kind of you don't you don't go around game. I know, but you don't think of him as like this. Like if there was a Hall of Fame for rugby. Like you don't think of him as like, oh man, that, 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 like he, he was never the best player on the pitch, is what I'm saying. You know, but, yeah, quietly goes about his business. Yeah, so but like, I'm, yeah, as he said, he's having a great Six Nations for Wales and he's consistently great. Uh, so moving on to the backs, nine, Conor Murray. I've, I've been outspoken this recently, saying to a few people, I think Ali Price will be my starting nine. I think Murray gives you that experience that you're going to need in South Africa. I, I I feel Gatlin would lean more towards that, but I on on form like I wouldn't be bringing. I think him. Murray's form is really good. I think he's been back to what he was. You know, he obviously had his injury worries and stuff. Uh, I think he's back to what he was like last Lions tour, where he's he's one of the best nines. He's consistent. Like you know, nobody's gonna. You know, you had the questions by oh, who should start at nine for Ireland? Even oh, Gibson Park's looking good or Marmion's looking great. I think Murray's the unquestioned nine now, and I feel like he's absolutely going. It'll go realistically because it's probably one of the weakest depth positions. There aren't many lads who are proven top level internationals. And obviously his kicking game is second to none and Gavin yeah. rates him highly from previous experience. But I'm not sure if he'd be an unquestioned pick now. I don't know. I feel like in the form he is in, he's definitely a better option than Ben Young's. Uh, oh. Ali Price, uh, I don't know. It, obviously yeah, the ben Young's is still England's nine. It just baffles me. <laughs> I mean, who's the option behind them? As you said, the depth is a question like. That's the thing, because Eddie Jones doesn't give any other night in the game time. But like on form for the past two or three years, you've had Dan Robson, Ben Spencer, Harry Randall. Yeah. That, Spencer that, was the Saracens nine who, who went to Bath, didn't he? Yeah, Spencer. He's been in unbelievable form for Bath. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I, he used to be, he used to come in for England a lot. Uh, he loved in the work of final. Like he, yeah, yeah. In and around for a few years, but he only has like three, four captures out. So. Ten, Farrell, no question. On George Ford. <laughs> I think Ford will go. I think Ford will travel, but I don't think he'll start test. I can see with South Africa's physicality, I don't expect Gatlin to pick him as Yeah, I, I, I think I think Faz has to be 10. I, th- I think he's the best 10 available. I, I think Farrell, I think Farrell, when Farrell plays like he'll play more rugby for club and like he'll he'll knock the rust off. I think I think Farrell's the clear option. I think Farrell's the best 10. I, I, I rate Ford. I rate Ford highly. I think I think Ford ten, Farrell twelve is the best option for England. Uh, but I think Farrell uh, Farrell ten for Lions in South Africa. Yeah, um, I could see them bringing like Ford and Bigger 
and then Farrell as like a 10-12. Think they'll be bigger over Russell and Sexton? I, I forgot about Russell there briefly. <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I, I think Sexton will be very lucky to travel anyway. And I, I, I like Sexton. I do. But I think he'll be very lucky to travel. I, I do actually think it'll be Farrell going as a 10-12, Russell and then Ford or bigger. Do think bigger will go over Sexton? I, bigger I'm hasn't been like the world. I'm more thinking from a Gatlin perspective here. Yeah. 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 11, Johnny May, no questions. Um, Duhan van der Mer would be in contention at the moment. Not to start test. Not to start test. I think, I think it's start testing. May's going. I think May has that like, I like van der Mer as well. And he, and he is, he's obviously playing, he's doing bits for um, Edinburgh, isn't it? Or, yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. for Worcester for next year though. Yeah. Yeah. And then Josh Adams as well, obviously has, has to have a shout. Um, got Lewis Rees Zamet pushing high. Oh, 14, 14, man. I think, I think we'll get there. We'll get Over there. Over winger to be fair, yeah. Yeah, but um, I think May starts 11. I think 12. Here's here's one for the Irish boys. Henshaw on form, he's probably Ireland's most informed player. Probably is, to be fair, actually. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I think I know you have your options. I think obviously, if they want to do the Ford Farrell thing, which I don't think they will, uh, and you got who'd you got for Wales there? Like, you, nobody really. Um, making Jonathan Davies a 12 at the moment I don't think Gatland would see him as a 12 no I think I think Jonathan Davies might play 13 it wouldn't shock me if Gatland yeah, picked him regardless of just for consistency and like you know physicality experience player of the tour in 2017 so. yeah he was unbelievable in that in the, if you watch any of those three test games he was clearly the best player yeah. um, I, I rate Davies highly he's been consistently obviously you can wonder now who can like you know is, is Tuolangi going to be healthy because I think Tuolagi would be a serious pick here. Um, I don't think he will be. I'm not sure if he's going to get enough game time beforehand to really put himself back in contention. So. Yeah. And then 14, here's an interesting one, because this is a battle between Elliot Daly, Liam Williams, and Louise rees What about Anthony Watson? Anthony Watson as well. Sorry. Four. I think I think Daly will go as a utility player. But I, I, I don't think he's starting. Not, not the way he's played the Six Nations. He's, he's not going near that test team. Yeah, his form isn't close to him. Yeah. I'd say Watson, best all-round player, has experience of tests, lines as well. Uh, yeah. Rhys Almond is obviously kind of the star at the moment, but I'm not sure if his all-round game would be on the same level as Watson yet. Or, or Williams. Williams as well, yeah. You're really pushing hard if he can just kind of stop getting stupid red cards and being suspended for a while, he'd be... Yeah. And then Hog 15 is nailed on. Oh, nailed on. I, I think I think Hog is, Hog, Hog is probably the best player in that back line right now at the moment. Um, uh, and then captain tough I, I called Jamie George a while ago because he was named as an option quietly but I'm, I'm thinking I'll be leaning towards a Toje now to be honest I think it's, it's, it's a Toje or Ryan it's one of them too and I don't think Ryan has really or a Toje to be fair has really good stuff in glory I think Alan Wynn if if if, if Gatlin's serious about him starting test which there is a possibility I think Alan Wynn's nailed on uh, it's just a question of if a Toje and Ryan can really take that next step and it comes a question of whether or not you want your test player starting. So then again, Hoggy is a is a is a is a sleeper sleeper shout there because he's definitely going to start. Like I'm not a fan of a fullback being a captain. Though. That's the and it's the same with Farrell. They could easily get the South Africans could easily get into Farrell's head. Yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a weird one. Okay, but even go an outsider like Falatau or someone like that. <laughs> go Falatau, no chance. <laughs> you can go to Paddy Power with that one, Mockler. I'd say they give you a lot. Okay, last one. Go back to the Olympics. Who's winning the sevens tournament in the Olympics? Um, I'm going Fiji again. Like they, they're likely to pick the same 15s lads. 
again with that experience they play the best ball uh, they dominate the World Series pretty regularly so it's hard to look beyond them Brilliant Mockler thank you very much for coming on the Couch Champions podcast Appreciate it Hurt. <laughs>